0: Hello, Lewis fans, and welcome to the Mere C.S. Lewis
1: podcast. My name is Thornton. And my name is Andrew, and we are two brothers who enjoy C.S. Lewis and want to take themselves and others on a journey through his writing.
0: So, Andrew, how have you been the past couple weeks?
1: Well, not going to lie, it's been an adventure of a a couple, you know, past few weeks, but we're entering into that holiday season for church and uh, Christmas, New Year's, um, it's kind of our, our peak season.
0: Yeah. Um, you're working at church. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so that's been, that's been crazy doing everything on top of the fact that like with all the holidays, you actually have less time to do it. Mm-hmm. So more work, less time. It's been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: know, as you know, obviously Andrew, but for our listeners, uh, you, yours and my uh, grandmother passed away around yeah. giving and so that was uh, tough. She lived a laundered life. So that made it, I guess, a little bit easier, but it was, um, yeah, hard to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, silver lining was just getting to see a whole bunch of family. Like, I didn't know that we hadn't seen some of our aunts and uncles because in four years, because of COVID and, and life stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Had been, we had been like texting them and calling them and stuff, It hadn't realized that we hadn't seen each other face to face in so long. So that was really bizarre
1: yeah and and on top of that like family we didn't even know we had
0: yeah yeah seeing some of the extended family who came in from
1: or at least i didn't know we have i think you know the family tree a tad better than i do yeah
0: yeah yeah like you said just getting to meet people that are yeah blood but yeah because of circumstances yeah you don't interact with them at all
1: yeah it was uh it was a good trip though and i think grandma was honored and Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I, one of the things I've been thinking about is how, you know, all her hard work and, you know, loving dad and, you mm-hmm. know, following Jesus herself had really left a legacy and uh trickled down to us, you know? Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. Cause yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Papa Roy was, uh, he was Christian, but I just, he wasn't going to church every Sunday and right, yeah, grandma was the one who made sure dad went and who then, uh, I guess, um, taught us a lot of what we know today. So you're right. That's uh, you can see that spiritual family tree for sure.
1: And as a uh, youth pastor, one of the things I've really noticed and and just thinking about it, um, with Mm -hmm. youth and is the first missionary that, you know, Jesus ever sends to us is our parents. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that for dad is, is huge, especially for grandma. Like, like you said, that specific story, um, but, you know, Grandma was the missionary that raised up the missionary that came to us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've never thought of it that way. That's interesting.
1: So yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty profound, and I enjoy kind of thinking about that, and makes parenting even more of a, you know, important venture. But yeah, and that's uh, <laughs> I'm
0: glad you mentioned that because I think I've uh, mentioned before on the podcast that yeah, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first kid soon. Yeah. Soon- yeah, so now it's down to just a handful of weeks before uh, the little one uh, comes into the world. And so now I have, yeah, I uh, just everything you just said is just putting into focus more clearly the, the part of the charge uh, that I have.
1: Absolutely. And it is a charge. You are now a missionary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, yeah, I'm I mean, going to enjoy seeing you do or walk that and walking beside you. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah, well, as you know, it takes a village to raise a child, and Andrew, you are part of that village, whether you like it or not.
1: Oh, I I love it a lot. Dibs on being the court jester.
0: Well, okay, I, that is all yours. I don't think anyone will will find. <laughs> you. No.
1: I'm in it for the hat.
0: <laughs> for the hat, good stuff. Well, Andrew, I, I just uh, if you want to go ahead and get us started on, uh, well. For, well, first of all, I just let me just ask for your like cursory initial thoughts on Surprise by Joy.
1: I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just I, I've talked to you about this uh, outside of, of the podcast, but I've really was struck by the movie Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And and just seeing like the behind the scenes of his life. And, and they may have taken some narrative liberties here and there. I'm sure they did. Um, but just understanding him, the author, a bit more mm-hmm. then let me like go be like, oh, Lord of the Rings wasn't about World War – or The Fellowship of the Ring wasn't about World War uh, II. It was about World War I, and more specifically, it was about his, his family and his children. Um, and I could – I mean that's a whole separate podcast diving into that. But like, reading this helps me understand Narnia. Uh, And why he made some of the decisions he made. Reading this helps me understand, like, oh, like, that's why some of these things matter to him so much. Um, And what, go ahead.
0: Well, I I think you're right. I think this, uh, this Surprise by George, certainly illuminates uh, Narnia, and Mm -hmm. because Lewis was very much uh, that type of writer. But I would, I would gird your loins, Andrew, because I think (laughs) there are some, if, I imagine we have some Tolkien fans listening and I think that they would have a, a big bone to pick with you on on the Tolkien movie and in Lord of the Rings uh being like a one-for-one analogy or allegory of uh World War 1.
1: Oh yeah, I don't I don't think it it's uh a one-for-one for sure. So um good well I'll jump in and and we can get into the background and context. Let's do it. All right, it took Lewis over seven years to write his autobiography um, and he published it in 1955. It took him so long because during those years, Lewis was entering new stages of his life. Yeah,
0: Lewis stopped his formal apologetics, as we mentioned in, in the last Miracles episode, and turned to publishing his his Narnia books. His professional life also shift, shifted as well when he received overdue academic acclaim from Cambridge University. And he accepted their chair of medieval and renaissance English, which was a position that the university created specifically for Lewis. He also stopped teaching at Oxford and was elected a member of the British
1: Academy. And it wasn't just his um, academic career that was taking off. His social and personal life underwent dramatic change as well. Um, As he began to write the Inklings, Stopped meeting regularly, which, you know, even talking about this now uh, breaks my heart. Uh, Miss Moore passed away, and Lewis began a correspondence and met Joy Davidman. Those two married and uh, for the first time uh, shortly after Surprised by Joy was published. Yes,
0: yeah, and while Lewis doesn't mention Joy Davidman in his autobiography, and, and the Joy in the title, Surprised by Joy, is, is not a reference to her, uh, the, the joy that Lewis references was a concept uh, and a part of his life well before she came on the scene, but she did she did uh, help Lewis edit the book before it was published and it is people ribbed uh, Lewis about the title of the book and and enjoy becoming his wife mm. but I think it's just kind of poetic to think that there's um, some sort of connection and yeah we'll talk more about we'll talk more about Joy Davidman and C.S. Lewis when we go through a grief observed.
1: Yeah. Um, the book was dedicated to Dom Bede Griffith's OSB, a Roman Catholic priest who was Lewis's student and friend. Um, and Dom, if you're listening to this, I, I apologize if I butchered your name.
0: Well, no worries, Andrew. He is long dead.
1: Ah, well, if you listen to this in eternity, uh, I guess you can have a while to rib me. Mm-hmm. But, they had many discussions about faith, literature, and philosophy, but it got to a point where Lewis only wanted to talk about what drew them together, while Griffiths wanted to talk about the difference between Anglicanism and Roman Catholicism.
0: Yeah, when Lewis published Surprised by Joy, Griffiths was on his way to India as something like a missionary. He he was there to uh, start a monastery. And just a quick aside, when I was researching... Uh, Griffiths or Dom Bed Griffiths, he be, was very fascinating character, and he I, maybe at some point we can go through some of his own works, uh, because as you mentioned, they uh, Griffiths was very interested in Roman Catholicism, was a Roman Catholic priest, but over the next few decades after he went to India, Griffiths began to promote the common ground amongst all religions and became sort of a like a, a yogi or a, a guru in India. Mm. And Lewis, among others, thought that uh, he sort of shortchanged the, the Christian faith uh, throughout all his ecumenicism.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. Um, the title of the book is from a Wordsworth poem of the same name, which Lewis quotes as an epigraph at the beginning.
0: Yeah, Lewis also had already told his autobiography of his spiritual conversion earlier in his allegory, the pilgrim's regress, which, and I'll probably talk more about this later is, is still my, or is now my favorite uh, Lewis work. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he wrote Lewis wrote surprised by joy to tell it more plainly though, mm-hmm. and to threat the false notion or two, which is interesting to me that this, this isn't the only time that he wrote a uh, fiction book. hmm. To explain some sort of spiritual experience or reality, but then had to write a non-fiction book to sort <laughs> of correct it. So like I said, with Pilgrim's Redress, he did it with then with Surprise by Joy, but also when he wrote Till We Have Faces, which we haven't gone through yet, he a lot of people didn't get exactly what he was after, mm. so he then wrote The Four Loves.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So like I said, we haven't gone through either of those yet, so we'll talk more later, but it's, it's just kind of interesting that... Uh, to uh that he he did that and but yes uh this this book surprised by joy is a story of his conversion and experience with joy and not a general autobiography uh yeah the tagline of the book is the shape of my early life so this is a very focused portion of of lewis's story right but yeah, for those who int- are interested in a more detailed history of, of Lewis's life, you can go uh, and listen to our earlier podcast or episode, uh, C.S. Lewis, a-, a Life. Yeah. So now as we transition into the overview of the text, those who have seen the, the recent movie, The Most Reluctant Convert, this will sound very familiar. But we'll. Uh, it does touch on a, a few things that were not uh, covered uh, in the movie. And, and we'll certainly talk more about the movie uh, later in the episode.
1: Yeah, so I, let's jump into the overview of, of the text. Mm-hmm. Good. So the book is 15 chapters, which is the longest that we've read so far, yep. and spans from his birth in 1898 to when he accepted Jesus Christ as the Son of God in 1931. Yeah.
0: Chapter one shows his family life and the first introductions he had to religion slash Christianity. He also recounts his first experiences with joy, uh, which were, it was like a garden and a little biscuit tin, Beatrice Potter's uh, book, Squirrel Nut Tin, and a a Longfellow poem.
1: Well, chapter two is about the boarding school he attended until he was 12. And he disguised the name of the school by replacing it with the name of a concentration camp, which is bold. Yes, but um,
0: it tells you how he felt about it.
1: Right? It does. It does get the emotion across. Uh, and Lewis said that the only good thing that came out of the time was hearing the doctrines of Christianity by people who believed it rather than general uplift.
0: Chapter three deals with the death of his mother and the loss in the earth. In chapter 4, Lewis describes his new school and the vulgarity, sexual temptation, and bad philosophy he learned and experienced. As a 13-year-old, this is when he ceases to be a Christian.
1: Yeah. In chapter 5, Lewis experiences unspeakable joy as he is overwhelmed by Wagner, Siegfried, and the twilight of the gods. He describes this joy more in depth and says from that point on, he lives two lives an inner life of imagination, and an outer life of bustle. Hmm.
0: Chapter six and seven are the most criticized of the book. He discusses his new school and describes it as a nightmare of hazing and homosexuality. His brother, Warney, though, said it wasn't what Lewis made it out to be, though. And others have, I guess, also criticized Lewis for this, for just the, the amount of focus that he put on, on this part of his life that doesn't seem to really connect with Mm. the rest of his story. But I guess we'll talk more about that later. And Lewis also, but also during this time, Lewis talked about how he hated playing sports, Mm. which drew him more into the library and expanded his taste for English literature.
1: Chapter 8 describes the strained relationship Lewis had with his father and gives a humorous episode where him and his brother, failing to read between the lines of one of his father's tirades, The the chapter also describes two pivotal points in in his life. First, meeting his lifetime best friend, Arthur Greaves, who Lewis was surprised to learn had experienced joy and enjoyed Norse mythology too. Second, he convinced his father to let him transfer his education to a tutor, one he came to call the Great Nock.
0: Lewis's most joyful chapter comes next at, at number nine. He describes the pleasure he had at studying with the great knock and his ultra rational way of communicating. He also describes how his atheism became more entrenched because of the knock's lack of faith.
1: Mm. Chapter 10 is about a deepening friendship with Arthur Greaves and the maturation of, of his love of literature and a discovery of the joy. Of walking, He details an episode with his father, too, where he let himself become confirmed in the church despite his objections and lack of faith. He said that he let himself eat and drink of his own condemnation.
0: Yeah, chapter 11 is a deeper exploration of joy in what it is and what it is not. As he tried to focus on it, it would flee away. He mentions Wordsworth's poem again. And he also says that the joy experience was not a substitute for sex. Quote, joy is not a substitute for sex. Sex is very often a substitute for joy. I sometimes wonder whether all pleasures are not substitutes for joy. End quote.
1: I wish I could talk to him about that, man. Um, uh, we'll get into it later, but I, I, I think that's a very fascinating quote. Okay. Good. Lewis said at this time in his life, his double life, uh, became more pronounced where everything he loved he thought imaginary and everything he thought was real was grim and meaningless. It's at this point he discovers the book Fantasties by George MacDonald, which he says baptized his imagination.
0: Chapter 12 is about coming to Oxford, but then quickly shipping off to the Great War. He shows its horrors, but also enjoys the friends he made during that time. He also mentions reading G.K. Chesterton for the first time and not knowing what he was getting himself into. (laughs) It's at this point he gives his famous quote, quote, a young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. Mm.
1: I love that. Uh, Chapter 13 describes, his return to Oxford and meeting several people who would challenge his atheism and his form and also form the Inklings. He met two men who would scare him off from occultism and romanticism. With these and other new ideas swirling around Oxford, Lewis began to think his joy was wishful thinking or a purely aesthetic experience. Owen Barfield helped Lewis realize chronological snobbery and led Lewis to a philosophical idealism where Lewis admitted that there was an underlying logic to the cosmos.
0: The athlete named chapter 14 is Checkmate. Mm. Lewis describes how he worked hard to keep God out of his life, but new friends, of which J.R.R. Tolkien was one, and comments by cynical atheists never kept God wholly out of his mind. Lewis's chasing after joy also taught him that his chasing would always be inadequate. And he had to see that the joy he chased only served as a reminder, a pointer to something else. Mm. The chapter concludes with Lewis accepting theism, which is not Christianity. It's there's Lewis talks about the, the distinct difference between the two. Right. And says that he was, quote, the most reluctant convert in all of England.
1: end <laughs> and the book concludes in chapter 15, where he tries to detail the step from theism to Christianity. But he admits that, that the transition is more opaque to him. He said he spent several months or a year trying to obey and know God. Then driving with his brother Warney to the zoo, he started off not believing Jesus was the son of God. But by the end of the drive, with no conscious thought or discussion... He did. Lewis described it as if someone who had laid in bed for a long time suddenly becomes awake.
0: Yeah, I think that is something deep to reflect on.
1: Oh, a hundred percent.
0: It just how just that last sort of step was just not of his own sort of conscious thought or will. It just sort of happened. But at the same time it's it's it was like wholly natural. Right. But yeah, as as for joy though, Lewis said that it didn't have the same importance that it, it once did. He saw it for what it really was, quote, a pointer to something other and outer. You anyway, know, so for criticism of the work by others, in the 21st century, readers rate the book pretty favorably with a 4.01 rating out of 60,000 reviews on Goodreads.
1: Nice, Lewis. Um, And his contemporaries saw value in it as well. One critic saying, if a good book is one that says more than the author wrote, this one is right up in there. Many also compared his account to that of Augustine's uh, Confessions, or Augustine, depending on who you are and how you pronounce it, Mm -hmm. a comparison that Lewis rejected.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, about to start reading uh, Augustine's uh, Confessions.
1: Yeah, I have it upstairs myself.
0: Uh, No, you don't. You lent me your copy
1: uh well, there there it went
0: yeah there yeah so i have it so i'm about to start reading that i'm interested to after now having read surprise of joy how uh how it compares to uh confessions and so yeah so i'm interested to and maybe i should have read confessions beforehand as as to be a part of this episode but i'm looking forward to that
1: yeah i, I think you'll enjoy it i i glanced through it and it, it looked really meaningful <laughs>
0: Well, the enduring criticism of the book, though, is what he does or doesn't focus on. As mentioned previously, many think he focuses too much on his boarding school days, and while others think that he gives short shrift to his time in the Army. And, the, for example, like there it was incredible that one part where he talked about just haphazardly capturing like 45 Germans, <laughs> which... Uh, it just blows my mind. And I, I admit, I met with, with Taylor when we were doing the episode on his life. Right. I mentioned it would, it would be a fun, would be fun just to go through like old British records and our military records to see what they have about that episode.
1: Yeah. That'd be, that would be fascinating.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I don't know if, if any of the Lewis fans out there know of any sort of resource or if anyone has done that before, but I would love to just see the official report on, on that, uh, episode in his life
1: i will say uh to lewis's defense i think it's chapter one Mm -hmm. where he's like hey guys i'm gonna focus a lot of my early life because i when when i read these types of things that's Mm -hmm. the the part i like the best Mm -hmm. um so he kind of lets people know up front that he's gonna do it
0: he gives people fair warning but i guess people still still want what they want
1: i i defend it though because in, in my head, mm-hmm. if I were to write a book about my life, mm-hmm. I, I think I would do something similar mm-hmm. um, because I think Lewis is trying to convey to us who he is. Mm-hmm. And he probably views his time in the army more about what he did rather than who he is.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, like he mentions in the book how the, the army had his body but not his mind. Right. Yeah. So the, which I think that's, some people have wondered why Lewis had was not a, as affected by the war as like some other people of his generation, like uh, like the, cause they yeah, that generation is kind of considered the lost generation. Right. And just how a lot of people just, I guess took it hard, understandably. Sure. The horrors of it, that he just seemed to sort of divorce himself from what was going on mentally um, right. So I guess in a way that was not good. Um, but I guess it kind of served to keep him mentally healthy and um, be able to just sort of, I guess, reintegrate back with society when it was all done.
1: Sure. But, yeah. And it really could just be a, a unique idiosyncrasy about Lewis mm-hmm. rather than it, it being anything that you could then, you know, formulize and repli- replicate.
0: And, yeah. And also in his book, he also mentions how he, he's had nightmares and uh, Mm. so I guess he doesn't talk about it too much in his writing. He's not like a, a Tim O'Brien who like spends his entire career writing about this one war. Right. Uh, So like Lewis, just like you said, it was like something he did and then just sort of moved on. Um, It didn't consume him like War does some other writers. Well, for mentions and references in popular culture, I'll go ahead and let you, yeah, you can go ahead and start off, Andrew.
1: Sure. For those of you who have heard about the the new movie out called The Most Reluctant Convert, you know that it's an adaptation um, of a play which adapted Surprise by Joy. Um, we're going to be getting that movie on um, Blu-ray and, and kind of going, watching it, maybe you know a couple times through, taking notes on it. We'll have a, a podcast for you coming out sometime in 2022. Uh, but that that's one area where... Uh, Lew- this book specifically heavily influenced pop culture
0: yep and then on spotify there are plenty of songs paying homage to this book and but a band i did discover called wallpaper revival dedicated a whole album uh and entitled the album surprised by joy so andrew so i guess yeah we've been obviously uh touching on our different thoughts and, and analyses but I just wanted to you to share your uh, conversion story.
1: Yeah. Um. So when you when you were talking to me about uh about this, mm-hmm. um, you, you told me to write my testimony. Mm-hmm. And so some of this will be about conversion. Some of this will be post conversion. <laughs> um. Because I really believe that a testimony isn't just about when you came to know Christ, mm-hmm. but a testimony is really just highlighting the salvation that that Christ provides mm-hmm. a bearing witness to it um, to continue to use the legal jargon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it did start when I was about three or four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at this Royal Ranger kind of like camp on like a Saturday morning. Dad mm-hmm. and I went, um, I was playing all these different games, kept getting second place to the same kid Mm. And I was not having a good time because Mm. I wanted to win one of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I didn't, um, and I went and they had this like gospel presentation and it was interesting. It was kind of like a, Hey, do you want to go to heaven with mommy and daddy or do you want to go to hell and burn forever? Mm. Um, and I felt, you know, as a, a kid of reason and logic, I felt like I was making the right choice saying yes to Jesus. Um, that being said, um, while it might have started a little superficial mm-hmm. it became very genuine and and i i it, it makes me you know sure that that moment was genuine even if shallow because it it only got deeper mm-hmm. um it never dried up um and so i i you know over my life there there were times where I had that option again, like, Hey, am I in? Mm. Yeah, I'm in. But it really culminated when I was at college. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not doing well. um, Academically, Mm
0: -hmm. socially,
1: things were going great. Spiritually, Mm -hmm. um, except for the part where it would make me a good student, things were going great. Mm -hmm. Um, I I felt like in every part of my life, except for academics, which don't need to tell you is a big part of school. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was going well. And, uh, i have been, you know, playing this game and on, on my computer and it, it had kind of taken up all my time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I get, a I get a call from, uh, or a text from, from dad mm-hmm. saying, Hey, send me your blackboard username and password, which is where all my grades were. Mm-hmm. Um, now Part of the reason I, I didn't do my schoolwork was I never really checked Blackboard. And if you don't check it, it's not there, kind of like bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I uh, I send them the password because they were paying for school, so they you know have every right to to know what I'm getting. And immediately shut my laptop, go to the library to start doing my homework. Mm. Yeah. Um, so while when I get there, it's about 10, 15 minutes later, um, I, I knew that the stuff was bad, but it turned out the highest grade I had was a C, and I only had one C. Mm. Yeah. So uh I was not expecting um a great phone call. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who have never met my dad, he is a wonderful man. Um but he grew up in a in a farming town with from a farming family. Um Dad was military. He went to West Point, was career military, and then became a professor. So homework and discipline is very important to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he sends me a text saying, um, hey, give me a call right now. And I I tell him, hey, Dad, give me like 15 minutes to just compose myself, get get myself together. And uh, I'll give you a call. And he says, no, right now. I'm like, okay. So I find a place where I can just be by myself, um, which is hard at Liberty, but I find my, I find my place. And uh, I call him and he says, uh, son, you don't have to get yourself together to talk to me. That's not how this works.
0: Mm-hmm. You can
1: come to me whenever you need. You know, he's like, hey, these grades, they're not acceptable, but they are the symptom of the problem. And I'm your father. I'm with you. I love you. I'm going to walk with you through this, and we're going to get to the root of the problem together. Mm. Um, and now by that point, I am bawling mm. because I have one thought and one thought only. If this is how much my earthly father loves me, how much more does my heavenly father love me? I just kept thinking that. I was like, like, if this is is where a human, a flawed human can get to, how much more does a perfect God love me? And so um, I am blessed to have a father that um, is a man of few words, but is also a man um, who lives by those words. Um, And so he would call me every single night, and we would go over all of my homework. Um, and he, he drove down to Liberty, spent a weekend, uh, where we just, we, we went through some hard questions. And by this point I'd released it to God. I was like, Lord, if you, if whatever my dad says, I'm going to take it as, as your spirit because my father knows you and you speak through him. So I'm just going to follow him. So guide him and direct him knowing full well, my dad could and might pull me from Liberty. Hmm. Um, and so we talk and and we look through like, Hey, what would it look like to transfer to a community college and work while I, while I did that? And uh, Well, you know, what would it look like to, you know, maybe make some, some of those tougher decisions. Um, and it, and it turned out that it was just better both financially and academically to stay at Liberty, Mm -hmm. um, which I was very grateful for. Um, but you know, we, we did explore all our options. Um, and, you know, he continued to just walk with me through that. Um, and that was when I, I my faith, it, it was real before then, but that's when, you know, I just had this great understanding of not just what God had done, but who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ever since then, my faith has just be- become more genuine, more real, um, and I would say that, that that's the part of my life that, that screams out the testimony of, of what Christ has done.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool, Andrew. I didn't know some, uh, some of the details of that story. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it was a wild ride, and I don't, uh, I don't look too great in it, but it's, uh, it was uh, the ride I, I went on. Yeah, wow. What about you, brother? Tell me about your conversion story. Yeah,
0: so when we lived in Italy, uh, we were at church, and I was like uh, five years old, and I remember the Sunday school teacher asked if anyone had not accepted Jesus, and I was like, oh, I don't think I have. Let me uh, raise my hand, and so the teacher and the class prayed over me, and and then they the teacher told my parents, and then... I just remember my parents just being super happy and I just remember it being a, like, it was like a different sort of happiness than, than they had, I had seen before. So I was like, okay, mm. this is important. I don't know exactly how, but mm. this is important. Fast forward to when I was like uh, 12, 13 years old and I was learning about all the different religions in the world. Mm. And I was just struck by the thought, oh, how do I know my faith or my religion or what I grew up believing is true? Mm. And so just went on a deep dive into uh, apologetics. That's the, that was like the very first time that I ever picked up Lewis with his mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also bought this book called why so many Dods," and i flipped through and read that book so many times that pages started to fall out wow and so i went through that and i guess i came to some sort of um i don't know truce or just some sort of understanding of like okay i don't know 100 percent about this but i don't feel like i have any alternatives mm. um so I'm just want to sort of stick with it. Fast forward to my 16th birthday and it is, uh, uh, it's our, our grandfather, uh, Papa was baptizing people. So as I, I I, I, I'm pretty sure I believe I'm like, okay, I believe. And so like, I sort of admitted myself. I'm like, okay, yes, I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Um, and so I, so when Papa baptized me, I'm like, okay, yes, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I, I can like admit to this. Uh, but it was, it was just kind of a bizarre, uh, set of circumstances. Like I like, said, like if it was a Stantron, I would say like, yes, I believe, or yes. Right. Believe. Uh, but it just was just still this very bizarre thing to me. Um, but then, then I had, this amazing spiritual experience Mm -hmm. um i was in school it was just like a normal tuesday i was in astronomy class it was like 10 a.m in the morning i wasn't doing anything particularly special like i said it was just sort of like a normal tuesday nothing special had sort of happened and i'm watching this science video and all of a sudden out of nowhere i it was if all of reality like every single atom and thing in in the universe was in harmony with each other mm. i just felt a harmony penetrating to my inmost being mm. as and i just and i was like aware of it like i was just kind of looking around seeing everyone and i could it was i you know how like Lewis said in Weight of Glory, like you've never met a mere mortal. Yeah,
1: yeah. and
0: I like I don't want to say I saw people's immortality, but like I could sense it on a spiritual level that everyone around me was something greater than what I was seeing. Right, and like I said, just everything around me just was imbued with a deeper sense of reality than i had ever experienced in my life um and it lasted for about 20 seconds or so like i just remember just being just looking around thinking like oh my god like everything makes sense now mm. like it it wasn't like to say it wasn't the video it wasn't like okay a plus b equals c it was just everything is connected everything is fits together and yeah just, um so that just opened up my eyes, eyes to like, okay, there is a, a spiritual dimension that I don't wholly understand. Because then it just, after about like twenty seconds or so, it sort of subsided. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was very much like entering through the wardrobe in uh, Lewis's Narnia. And, yeah. And like, that was probably the most pronounced. That was the first time and the most pronounced time that that happened, but. It's happened to lesser degrees since then. Um, but so that's when I realized that. Uh, yeah. So there was a, a deeper spiritual dimension.
1: Yeah. Is this, it kind of like that, that line that we were talking about earlier where you're in bed for a long time and then suddenly you wake yeah. up?
0: Yeah. 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 It was, it was, yeah. it was more like just uh, an awareness of a deeper spiritual reality
1: um, mm, Okay.
0: rather than Lewis's just, Realizing that Jesus is the Son of God, um, and I, and and then since then I just fast forward to uh, a couple months ago, and I'm, I guess I'm leaving out a lot of other my of my story. How there there's been some other like fact based reasons that I'm like, okay, yes, I I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, sure, or, and and things like that. Uh, but the last little episode i want to share my story was uh, a couple months ago i was um rachel and i my wife got into a a big fight and i was incredibly angry and i was like so angry i was like flipping couches and just so frustrated with what with what we were fighting about And we just sort of uh, separate and I'm just sort of crying out to God, like, Jesus, like, I, like, I, I need your help. Like, please, like, help me. I cannot control this anger. And, and then I just felt a, like a veil just sort of descend upon, like in my heart Mm. where, the, the the fire of my anger, I could still see it, but, and it was still there, but it was not, the heat of it was not scorching me anymore. Right. Like I, like I had felt what, to anthropomorphize it, like I felt like a hand on my heart that was massaging it and just sort of, just sort of lightening my burden um, and just helping me process this Intense emotion, um, and then the next day I was uh, just walking around the uh, apartment, and I just for the first time in my life—it's kind of incredible to think about—but uh, mm. for the first time in my life, I was like, "Okay, God, I can't do this by myself," mm. and uh, and in that I felt a a weight lift off my shoulders. Wow, and. Felt like I was just not uh, alone, um, and I don't know. Like, there's there's been other things in my life that like I that I've seen God come through or teach me lessons, but it was just kind of incredible for yeah. Like the first time a couple months ago, I like finally said that I can remember that I can't do this by myself, and. And then, yeah. Since then, my wife and I have—I just had a much better uh, relationship, mm. and uh, things have just gone. Just it has been incredible to to know that Jesus is carrying my load, uh, and yeah, I can fully rely on Him to uh, to I guess. Be strong where I am weak. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, so I guess that is sort of one way to, uh, share my testimony.
1: Yeah, man. And, uh, I think that, you know, Jesus is glorified in that. And, uh, in both of our stories, it's, uh, it's not about us, mm-hmm. you know, where we're called to the stand and, we're not meant to testify about ourselves. We're we're just telling our stories about about what Jesus has done, and uh, I'm just so so grateful that that we get those stories.
0: Yeah. Now I just uh, turning it back to the book a little bit. What uh, what were some of your your thoughts on on the book itself?
1: I love it. Honestly, I think learning about these men as I um enjoy their work, right? Like, um, just something I was, I've talked with you about it. Um, and even Lewis mentions it in the book, um, that, you know, part of beauty, which has really been on my mind recently, the part of beauty is enjoying the design. And then the Christian faith is enjoying the designer. Hmm you know and so for me like we've been enjoying the design with with a lot of Lewis's books and then it's fun to read a book like this that kind of rolls up into being able to enjoy their designers mm-hmm. or their designer right and then even better when that person's a Christian and he takes that time to then say hey don't look at me look at Christ mm-hmm. you know And so now your days goes from Lewis over to Jesus, and and now we're telling our testimonies, right? Like, I I just I think that that is exactly how um, how it should work. Like that is that is what is meant to happen, and it just it makes me um, so happy. That's awesome. What about you? how How did you enjoy it all?
0: Yeah, I well, I just yeah, I want to focus on just a little bit of uh, the criticisms. I know we mentioned that a lot. A lot of people have, uh, I guess, taken issue with how much he focuses on the his boy school, boy. Um, yeah, his uh,
1: sporting school. schools and stuff like that. Well, the different varieties of schools, I guess.
0: Yeah, the and just in how he just did not like the the hazing and, and stuff. Right, and I. And I, when I, yeah, when I read it, like I, I was that was not something that I was interested in. Like, yes, I, I was like after the first couple of pages, so like, okay, let's let's move on. Um, but as I started to think more about it, I, and I started to look at it more as like, uh, like a story or a book rather than just trying to get information from Lewis. Mm, yeah. I saw that it it did play an important part. Um, in that it just, I think, really underscored the, I guess, emotional deconversion, if you will, for Lewis. Sure. Because he mentions in the book how at these schools they preached England and Christ hand in hand. Right. And and just and how these the schools, for better or worse, were tr- like trying to really get him involved in sports or just turn him into like a jock when that was just not his set of that was just not his temperament and so when you just have a school that is just really i just i just punishing you and if it would feel like to him uh it just i i can see how he would very easily uh i just drop the christian faith Right, and so I think that it, it functions. Even though yes, there's other parts like yes, I would like to know more about his army days. I would like to know. Uh, or when I first read the book, I wanted to know more about his intellectual journey. Mm. Um, I think it it just it shows the emotional uh, torture he went through. Right, and how he on probably on some level thought like oh they're preaching Christ and also torturing me this way so right it softened the ground for his atheism uh but yeah when i read when i read his pilgrim's redress i said that's probably my new favorite book of his that's where he really details the intellectual journey so Mm. i think reading these two together is helpful because surprised by joy really gives you or it tells you the emotional journey he went on and spiritual journey and and Pilgrim's redress is more of the intellectual, spiritual journey.
1: Yeah, sure, sure, sure.
0: So, and it's also, it's also, so I read uh, Rosaria Butterfield's. Uh, ah,
1: incredible woman.
0: Yeah, I read her memoir a couple of months ago, and people sort of had a similar criticism of her, where the, the first third of her book, she talks about her, uh, I guess, conversion from atheist slash lesbian to, uh, straight Christian woman. Mm-hmm. And, and, but then the second, this, uh, the, the next two thirds of the book are about her homeschooling and, um, mm. going or moving to like a, a Christian college community. And it's like a lot of people who read are like, we don't care about that stuff. We want to know more about like the first third. Sure. And something and when again when I read that, her memoir is like a book and more and less about oh, let me just get the information from her that I want. I saw that like her book was also had an arc of of her Christian uh, journey where like her that conversion from secular to holy was mm-hmm. just a part of it. There is right. there's also the part of where she becomes a part of a Christian community. And, and then the the last third of it is about how she shares that community and her faith with others and how it's not just an insurance policy. It's, it's something that is her life now.
1: Right. Um, Right.
0: And, and yeah, something that I've, because her, her tagline of her book was like an English professor's uh, conversion to the Christian faith. And I was like, I think a lot of people need to focus on that part of her title, mm-hmm. ra- rather than the first part, which which of her title, which was "Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert."
1: Right.
0: I think that's also something we need to keep in mind with Lewis's book, where the the tagline of his book was or is the shape of my early life. Right. And so, yeah, I think when you keep in mind, it's the shape of his early life, the amount of time he spends on his boyhood days uh compared to his uh oxford days makes a little bit more sense
1: yeah and i i i I sympathize with both rosaria butterfield and c.s lewis Mm -hmm. because like i was saying earlier it's not just about seeing the design it's about seeing the designer yeah you know and if if you go to if you read these types of books it's like if you just go for the intellect like you were saying i mean you might as well be going to a zoo right you you what? go you, you you go you see the animal you don't really interact with it you don't know the animal but you're getting the information you want you you get the mm. kind of feel of being close to it um but there you there's no relationship there yeah And what both Rosaria Butterfield and C.S. Lewis are doing through these books is inviting you to have a relationship with who they actually are. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't just a, hey, here's a bunch of information, Um, get in and get out, see what you need to see, and then move on, Um, which is why I called it a zoo. Mm. It's 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 almost like a dinner table conversation. Um, of all the things that specifically mattered to them. Like they wrote more about those parts because those parts mattered to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can actually have, I mean, it's almost not the right, intimacy isn't the right word because it's still very one direct. Um, You know, C.S. Lewis and Rosaria Butterfield knew nothing about us. Mm -hmm. But it's like, If there was a word for that intimacy, but like in one direction, like that's what they're offering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if you if you don't look for it that way, it's definitely going to feel lacking.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, you're right. You, You have to let the author tell you the story that they need to tell. And yeah, that doesn't mean you can't criticize. And yeah, sure. Like I agree with a lot of people. I would love to hear more about Lewis's army. Mm-hmm. uh um, experience for multiple reasons but that yeah that was not the the story that he was trying to tell right yeah but anyway i guess in the interest of time uh who i do want to play our the game i came up with
1: all right let's do it
0: so as as, as we were reading in Surprise by joy he lewis talked about how his father author lewis had this strange knack of just getting or remembering what Lewis and his brother would, would say, but getting all the details wrong. Okay. So it made me think of Mad Libs of how his father basically was doing Mad Libs in his mind. All right. So I, so I took a sentence from uh, the book and I, I'm going to get you, uh, have you give me a few uh, nouns and verbs and stuff like that. And then I will read the original sentence, and then I will read the Mad Lib sentence that you created, Andrew. I love that. Okay. So, uh, first, uh, give me a season. Baseball. Give me a number. 25. Give me a location. Pizza Hut. Okay, next, give me a occupation. Dentist. Okay, give me a family relation. Cousin. Then give me another number. 42. And then lastly, give me an adjective.
1: Vivacious. Ooh, vivacious. Good one.
0: All right, so here's the original sentence, and this is actually the first sentence of the book. All right. Lewis says, I was born in the winter of 1898 at Belfast, the son of a solicitor and of a clergyman's daughter. My parents only had two children, both sons, and I was the younger by about three years. Now, here is your Mad, li- mad Lib sentence. Let's do it. I was born in the baseball season of 25.
1: Which is still winter. Oh, no,
0: it's not. Never mind.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: I was born in the baseball season of 25 at Pizza Hut, the son of a dentist (laughs) and of a clergyman's cousin. My parents only had 42 children, all sons, and I was the vivacious one by about three years.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Honestly, he should have wrote mine. Yeah, there you go. Add that to the criticism pile. (laughs)
0: Nice. Well just a well listener thank you for joining us on this uh, ledge of our journey
1: yes thank you guys so much we really do appreciate you guys um, for for you know going on this journey with us and and hearing us out as we just kind of ramble on um, we are going to take a little bit of a break for the holiday season um, and for Thornton to begin the missionary journey um, with his, new little baby boy or girl we'll find that out and let you know next next podcast as well
0: yes yep i'm looking forward to everything you just said the holidays and and the new kid mm-hmm. so, but yeah if you want to connect with us as, as some of you have and i've enjoyed talking with some of you all but yeah uh we are on twitter at mere c.s lewis and yeah be prepared for some uh baby inkling pics
1: <laughs> oh, there we
0: go the uh the freshest inkling there you go Yeah, well, thanks everyone, and we'll uh, see you next time.